Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good wherever, whenever. This is Alan Averill and this is Agitators Anonymous podcast episode 23. And this is um, a special podcast. Um, it's also available as a video cast over on my YouTube channel. If you want to take a look at my ugly mug and my esteemed guest, who is Matt McInerney or Kvost um, from Grave Pleasures, Hex Vessel, uh, Beast Milk, Dodheim's Guard, Code, among many others. It was a great and very interesting chat. Matt is a very thoughtful and intelligent guy. He's not a man who seeks out the limelight. Um, and so it was somewhat unusual somewhat unusual. And we discuss the music industry, we discuss the state of the world right now, um, and he always has a slightly sideways glance at it. So that's what it's going to be, episode 23. So go to Nentianga underscore primordial, follow me on Instagram, patreon.com, Alan Averill with two capital A's, A-V-E or I-double-L-L, and I post other content, bonus podcasts, demos, this and that over there. And as I said last week, if you were listening, uh, we now have a sponsor on the program, and that is Hate Couture, um, which is, how should we say, what can we call it? Hateful yet tasteful clothing company. And that is at www.hate as in H-A-T-E, you know how to spell that, right? C-O-U-T-U-R-E 616.com 
all sorts of hateful yet tasteful t-shirts. I'm looking at Vlad Tepe's board shorts. There's a summer sale on. Charlie Manson hats. A few nasty Ed Gein t-shirts. Black Death t-shirts. As in the original virus. The original Black Death. You need some satanic bling, some awful apparel. You know you do. You know you do. Go and check it out anyway. www.hatecouture616.com or follow me on Instagram and you'll see a few photos popping up now and again. All those kind of things. So, without further ado, let's have a listen to Matt. Uh, episode 23, Agitators Anonymous. Here we go with Matt McInerney. All right. How are you, sir? What's going on? I'm good. Uh, I don't know. A lot of stuff. Trying to figure out uh, how to live with two kids. And uh, we got a new house. So we're in the middle of a renovation extravaganza. All right. Uh, it never, the fun never stops, basically. Are you having to do like um, homeschooling stuff? No, no. Luckily, they, they're just uh, day, they're in daycare. They're just, our son's only five and daughter's one and a half. So no, no need to do any homeschooling. Uh, the, the daycare was off for a while, but um, it hasn't been that bad in Finland, you know. No. Um, a lot of my friends here have said that at the beginning of this, well, I suppose we might as well start talking about all this stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, why not? Um, yeah, they said that the, one of the most difficult things was that uh, for the first month or two, especially here when the weather was okay, it was a little bit of like, oh, this is a kind of a small little summer holiday. Might That might be the wrong expression, but... Um, especially like Kieran from Promodio was saying he enjoyed the first few months with his kids, but then it started to get like, oh, now we have to homeschool and work because all the schools were closed. And now our government is busy wrangling over, well, what, the school's opening, not opening. And it just seems to me that that's uh, an incredibly uh, strenuous task to have to try and undertake as well, as, you know, like homeschooling. Yeah, we made a really smart decision. Um couple of years ago to move to a really cheap place very small um and just live very very cheaply so we don't have to worry about um the outgoings a lot which was just you know like a shrewd move anyway but um considering what's happened it kind of saved us because we didn't have a huge rent um a huge mortgage or anything like that so we we've kind of we kind of made it through but it's been a really tough year it's like um yeah, like you said, trying to work and 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 do those kind of like um, bringing up kids at the same time and do music as well. Um, it's just been a, and and I think there's the mindset you get into that kind of doom and gloom mindset basically. So I think it's been a struggle. It's hard with there's no uh, sort of like line to like if somebody said to me, okay, in six months' time, you work towards that. There's the moment where you're sort of let out of the pen or whatever you want to say, um, let out of penury or whatever. Uh, but without that sort of line to work towards, it's kind of a little bit hard to stay motivated. Yeah, I think um, I think we've been lucky in Finland. There hasn't been a huge lockdown. It didn't last that long. Um, and we were given a bit of an earlier reprieve than most places. Um, and at the moment, the numbers are keeping low. So it, I don't think we 
really half as much as other places um and living in tampere as well is like um you know small city the numbers were really low i think we've done all right up up here um so it's just you know small struggles like everyone else but i can't really complain kind of feel bad complaining actually because you read about people having real hardships and uh, things are going down in america and and uk and everything it's just we, we're kind of lucky yeah yeah, I mean, I try to say that to people uh, here in Ireland because obviously we're kind of stuck, I suppose, culturally between the United Kingdom and the USA on either side. And I suppose we've always sort of looked to either of those countries. But when it comes to something like this, the lockdown or whatever, I do try and say to people like, hey, you know, like geographically, maybe try and look at some other countries in Europe, but also try and look at the the size of populations from other countries, because people in Ireland are, uh, I, I think there's a form of sort of catastrophizing that goes on, you know, and they sort of go, oh, but look what's happening in America. And they go, yeah, but we live in Ireland. <laughs> maybe oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe you should think yeah. about uh, so other countries in Eastern Europe that have four or five million people that live in it, you know? Yeah, I think it's just a phenomenon of, of the, the, the global civilization that we live in that people are just importing other people's problems um, and thinking that they live in them so you know we were talking about this with a friend of mine the other day that we um, we, we live in America now you know we, yeah. we're living in Europe but we're in America because we're in the American mindset um, and it so dominates the news and our culture that mm. we believe that America's problems are our own and I mean you know I feel for the for people of America but but we don't live there so we have no. to be you know to be mindful of how things Things are and and uh, but I just don't think people really read the new they don't really pay attention to what's going on so um, most people when you discuss uh, what's going on um, in Finland they'll tell you about what's going on in America and um, they don't really know that the numbers are pretty low in Finland that you you really don't you you, you know you're gonna get hit by a bus um, sooner than you're gonna get COVID-19 so um, they just don't know that uh, and, and following whatever's going on in in America I think just feels cooler you know you feel more uh, alive whereas actually it's pretty boring there's not really much going on here um, we're not in danger of, 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 uh, of a widespread outbreak um, mm. so yeah just like I said it's just like I feel I feel kind of like I have to think about the positives and I focus on positives you kind of have to do when you've got kids you can't um, you can't dwell in uh, in a you know even if you've grown up listening to metal and you're a, you like sad music you can't really live that in your day-to-day -day life you have to remain positive about what's going on and there there's a you know there's a bright future out there somewhere that's an interesting point i hadn't really thought about that i suppose it makes sense because not having kids maybe i've got more time to be prone to sort of fatalism and catastrophizing um and whereas maybe that's something to do with you know people in the west not having that many kids that they're this obsessed with um, some of the, you know, sort of negative forces, maybe more so that's happening. Like we, like you're totally right. We import whatever's happening in the American news. I mean, well, I mean, people come out on the streets to protest um, things that happen in America, you know, but don't seem really to me that worried about um, handing over some of their freedoms to the Irish state. It doesn't really seem to bother them that much, you know. Yeah, and, and and then if you just look at the way that we organise our, you know, everything culturally, music scene is very American focused in Europe. 
and um you know people are complaining about not being able to travel but it's like what about your own music scene what about your home music scene why have you been neglecting it for so long um there's all these small clubs that you could go and support um and and people just you know don't think locally uh, they think they've been thinking so globally for so long but it's also part of the problem you know it's like if if your clubs are closing down maybe it's because you never you haven't been in like years um yeah, and these well, clubs have, i mean we got to we got to face it like they, they've been doing badly for a really long time it's not like covid19 uh really killed all the clubs they've been they've been dying uh slowly anyway so this is kind of like a final nail in the coffin but um i think it's just sort of every everything you, you do in life uh it, it, it kind of has it, it came to light during this year um kind of how i'm also guilty of it as well that of not not really thinking um in terms of where am i getting this produce where am i buying these clothes what what am i supporting am i supporting local um producers or am i sending my money to china you know um and and not nothing against the chinese it's just uh i think when it comes to crisis like this the only way you get through it is by sort of um you know supporting your your local businesses and and uh, charity starting at home basically yeah that's no i i, I think that's a fair point uh, i mean here we uh, haven't even got the opportunity for um even just an acoustic guitar in the corner of a pub i mean even at the moment we can't have those gigs like so the clubs that are here that still theoretically would play or would allow live bands, um, they aren't able to do anything. And I've seen, you know, footage of open air theater and comedy, and it's quite strange here. It's, it's as if the state is sort of, is allowing it to die on the vine, but also there just seems to be um, little invention. I'm probably gonna get loads of comments now about this going, oh, there was a, you know, but I haven't seen anything. I haven't heard of any band trying to do anything. All, all of the clubs are closed. Um, so I don't even know how, I don't think even Primordial could do a spaced and distanced show right now in Ireland. I don't think we could yeah. do that, you know? But is that allowed? Are you allowed to do things like that in Finland? I mean, I saw last weekend, lots of shows in, or in Europe were starting to happen. Cult of Fire played to no distance in Prague, for example, you know? Yeah, there's, there, there are shows happening, uh, local small shows. We've got one in a couple of weeks, but it's sort of, um, it'll be limited to 100, 200 people max. Mm. Um, I think the bigger shows just aren't happening. The festivals are all cancelled. Um, and it's just about organisation and the cost of the organisation. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, this is the security. It's, the, yeah. it's, um, it's making sure everybody's safe and distance and all that stuff that I guess it just, it, the, the costs of running these things are already really ex extortionate. So you start to add all those other things in there. It just, for local festival organisers, it, it becomes impossible. Um, but there are small clubs happening. I'm just, it's just more like um, maybe these places would, would have been in a better state had, had there been more interest in the live scene before this happened. You know, uh, it's been dying uh, anyway. Um, yeah. A lot of that, I think, is to do with the bigger bands. I mean, it's a bigger topic maybe maybe not a very interesting thing for for me to talk about because i don't know about it uh i'm i just i, I dwell in the underground but um the bigger bands sucking the money out of the market and yeah, um sure. and and just just making it more difficult for for anybody else to compete um and and generally audience is dwindling uh mm. so so it's 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 been a it's been kind of coming for a while and uh, this thing has just it's kind of put the nail in the coffin for a lot of 
bands that you know at our level who uh, who when you go out and play small gigs you're not going to be able to tour uh, no. or, or get things done very easily so uh, yeah, I think there's kind of like there's going to be an economy for bands who pull 50 to 100 120 people playing in four 500 600 venues but for bands pulling let's say 300 to 800 I suppose the medium big bands I suppose by today's standards big-ish bands um, that means at a 20% cap they're having to play in three four five thousand places but they don't really exist and the economy doesn't really exist to put us there or to travel between them so I have a weird feeling that the next months of next year are going to see or at the end of this year are going to see like small little underground shows and then huge bands doing like residencies like I don't know Def Leppard plays 10 days at Def Leppard the modern reference <laughs> think of something modern that isn't from 1986 um and they're going to do like a week or 10 days where they have the, the gear set up and people are going to pay 120 250 euros a ticket and those yeah. two things can survive i think but the middle bit where we often inhabit could be very difficult yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, but, but I mean, that that market has also been really difficult for a while anyway. A lot of the clubs of that size have been closing. So there's just been this struggle with a band. And you know how this is. It's, it's like uh, a band that's doing well to jump to the next level. The, yeah. the jump is just so massive. Um, yeah. and, and, and as an audience member as well, it's, it's really difficult because I don't want to go and see a band that I love playing an ice hall. You know, yeah. it's, it's just, I, I, I know it's like, uh, th there's this thing that one, one Finnish, uh, famous Finnish musician said, it's just like that music doesn't belong there, you know, no. in ice halls and stuff like that. And that's, that's kind of the situation we've got here is that in Helsinki, you kind of, it's kind of like, you know, big venue or ice hall, you've got nothing in between. And um, there's, there's no charm to, to, to enjoying music in that, in that environment. But um, it's just, it's, it's, uh, I think maybe it will make people appreciate music more. I hope so. I focus on that, that like the hunger for getting out and seeing live music when this all kind of goes back to normal will be a, a case of just people getting really hungry for it. Um, and there'll be a big market for small bands. And I saw that Fender have made like more guitars this year than any other year in their history or something. So it's like people really? are, people are, yeah, people are buying guitars like crazy um, wow. because they're learning guitar. So maybe there's going to be a big renaissance of all these bedroom, uh, you know, guitarists when they come out of lockdown, um, people making music. I don't know if it's going to result in, in them actually making albums, but it would be great. I mean, it would be great if there's like time for people to do stuff. There'll be a lot of talent there that was you know in the nine to five who had time to do some music while he was locked down and or she mm. and uh, it, it all just um it comes out or, or there's like a new punk movement or something that's that's just born out of frustration of not being able to gather with your friends or something and uh yeah oh, that's interesting i'd have to take a uh, i'd have to digest that but the only the kind of immediate worry i would well not worry but the immediate sense i would have when thinking about that is that um, it could be a movement indeed, but it might just be a movement of people just releasing more music online. It might not be a actual human process. And like I sort of said this to, I've been saying it sort of flippantly, I suppose in a grumpy way, as is my want for the last while, that like, look, if there's no travel, no human process, no agency, I'll do one more metal album. But I, I mean, if it doesn't, if it was, it does say if it was to just stay like this, I wouldn't make any more heavy metal. I wouldn't see the point because it's about 
you know, you're basically going, hey, okay, now you're just this, this square on the screen. There's no more rock and roll. And I don't mean rock and roll yeah. as in just sex, drugs and rock and roll, just the agency of purpose and this, this new normal of uh, being just a square on a screen. I think I'd rather sort of think to myself, okay, you had a good run of, well, 29 years. So maybe, you know, hang your hat on one last album and that's it. No, I, I think that's catastrophizing. I don't think that's actually probably going to happen, but some element of it might happen. And therefore maybe what you're talking about is like, you will get this movement of people online who'll go, okay, this is the new normal. And we just, we'll just play streams or whatever, or I don't know. So yeah, I get. I totally, really a I totally, question. It was just a ramble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I, I totally get you. I mean, there's so many forms of music that are just based on on live, uh, the live experience. Um, and so, so does that become? I've I've been asking this question. It, it keeps me up actually thinking about does does this music have a relevance or a place um, outside of that, or does it just become this kind of like quaint um, kind of bygone memory of yeah. you know like. 1930s Lindy Hop or something like that. You know, we just think of it as, oh, that was that was nice, that's sweet, but it's not like it's not like we that happens anymore um, yeah. because because gathering makes you sick. You know, does, does it enter a sort of mindset where where we change the way we do things permanently forever? Um, because you know they they say this is not the only uh, virus out there, um, and so yeah, it's it's a it's a question: is this a generational thing or not? Um, but I just, I try to think about the positives. I work mm. for Svart Records um, now since uh, last year. And okay. um, that's really, that's really helped me um, in not doing so much live music. So the, the income of that has gone down, but um, I, I keep working and I keep working within music. Um, and and the, the sales have been really good. And the interest in, in product is still really strong um whether that continues we just have to wait and see but for a label like that um there's still a, a big market out there i guess there's been a lot of people at home wanting to listen to music wanting the real thing you know the product and everything so um it's still there maybe it's it's more it's, it's just become more direct uh people want things directly from the from mm. the artists and, and from smaller labels i guess the bigger labels might be struggling when they come to looking at bands that they've been relying on to be their biggest stockist, you know? Mm. Um, so, so labels that have relied on, on just their, their um, original artists, that might be a problem. So Spark Records is dealing with a lot of reissues um, yeah. of old <clears throat> albums and things like that. So you've got the vinyl collector market, but the, the original artist labels who rely on the, the touring band, mm. um, that might be a bit of trouble, you know? I think, um, it, I think it is. I think, I mean, anecdotally, what I heard was that when this all started, um, I mean, you're with Svart, you're relying on, um, I guess, moving 500 to 1,000 to 2,000 of physical products to collectors. But for, I suppose, more mainstream or bigger labels who are relying on the streaming revenue, I think when this all started, streaming just went boof, like took a big mm. uh, drop. Because uh, even if you think about it, people are having to change their listening habits because they're no longer commuting working with headphones in, they haven't got the, the space and time to listen to music has changed. And mm. anecdotally, they just sort of said, our, our streams have just dropped a lot. And so if you're not a kind of physical product moving, I guess they had to reinvent themselves with different things in the merch store, I suppose, and that kind of stuff. But it definitely stranded, I mean, it was more noticeable ever than it stranded artists. Because all of a sudden, with no live, we had no income you know there's you know because there obviously isn't any money for an artist from 
from from yeah. streaming you know i mean you have to what stream like at least 500 to a million times a month for one person is uh, you yeah. know yourself to make a, a poor poor mcdonald's style living um so that, well, that's in, interesting you said that about uh i mean Sfart is like as a sort of a kind of they have their niche carved out you know yeah, it, that works. So, um, I mean, maybe that's just sort of the, the secret to all of this. It's, it's like just finding, finding your niche and, um, you know, making that work, focusing on the, the bits that, that work like that. Um, but yeah, if, you, if your whole being and existence is based on playing live, um, that must be in such disarray. Yeah. I, 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 I was looking at what Nick Cave said, you know, he, he was like, um, he was looking at all the artists who who are doing sort of lockdown sessions and stuff like that, and he and yeah. he just said, look, look, you know, don't make your art about um, about this. Uh, yeah. Just <clears throat> just have the time, take the time to go and see your family. Um, you know, be creative uh, and and all of that. And I thought that was a really romantic kind of uh, notion, and I, and I really agreed because it it it, it resonates with me, who um, I think always kind of had a little bit more of the time because I'm not touring 24 7 mm. so so I'm, I'm i was a bit more torn between you know is this really worth it i'm spending a bit of time on the road away from family it's not really actually doing that much good at the moment for my music career i could still release music play some yeah. shows uh, and spend more time with them so so it really it it, it was it, for me it was really like um this is the truth but then i thought for a lot of bands that are touring all the time and that's their life um that must have been kind of maybe it's been, it's insulting you know and it's like uh what, what are we going to do like we're not going to work you know where's our where, where's our revenue how are we going to pay, pay the bills for example you know um, yeah I, I mean initially um like for example for myself my income went from being okay to literally nothing within two weeks um because yeah. everything of course unfortunately just as it turns out you put all your eggs in the industry basket whether it's working for the industry or playing live but you you adapt and cope and you know i'm a heavy metal cockroach i'll figure out i'll figure that out but then i began to go oh okay this is my my superpower is gone my agency is gone my purpose my motivation all these kind of things and um and then i just thought i have no interest in playing a live show to an empty room and pretend and putting all the stuff on and then forget it maybe an intimate one intimately filmed rehearsal where we can discuss the songs i would bend to that but everything else um i just sort of said no uh, I, i'm not going to take part in those kind of things but i would i'm at the stage now where i would go out and tour for nothing for no money yeah. but you know yeah. which i do with dreads yeah. anyway <laughs> but um because it's agency and purpose which i suppose is the difference between a person with no family maybe and um, yourself with family there's 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 that uh, kind of acute difference but yeah it's it's true it's 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 first you had the financial worry and then you realized oh okay i'm just living on the same bunch of streets and that's gonna start to drive me absolutely nuts so there is that sense of like it's a kind of buzzword of this year but i keep using it agency i kind of like it agency and purpose you know but it, it, it's true and this is the this is the sort of drive question of artists is is sort of your purpose um your drive uh you know what this all means this is, this is these are the questions that you ask yourself all the time uh it's a constant dialogue i think with yourself and um so 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 now you're faced with it um kind of like straight in your face you know this is like an urgent uh question of of like how do i 
how do I remain kind of relevant to myself and to the to the drive that I have as being creative and mm. I think that's sort of why I can understand the outrage at the moment is um, sort of it's this industry where people just um, uh, you know they, they think it's totally unimportant and music the music business has been for a long time kind of marginalized and put down as a really irrelevant art form you know you sort of like oh you should be lucky you're, you're so lucky I, I don't know how many people tell me oh you're so lucky to do that stuff and it's like they don't understand the the sacrifice you know mm. the, the the daily sacrifice of of an artist who you just cannot I mean you know talk about that with the family thing it's like um it just adds another layer of um pain into the equation of of having to like well you know i really can't play with my son right now because i have to get this thing done and and the question of is this really important or you know who's it important to yeah, yeah. um and 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 you know you, you you want your art to outlive you and to have some relevance and importance and if you do things with a passion as i know like you know that's the thing with it we're talking about primordial playing live because it's such passionate music and you do things with so much heart that um i can understand the idea that you don't want to put on a you know just a, a show to, to an empty room um because it's it's about the connection with your audience and all of that so it's sort of the same thing with the art it's um without that possibility to connect you you really start to question who you are yeah. um and and is, is this worth is this worth spending time away from family you know there's enough art out there um and i think it's it's just really sad because um it, it should be more supported and there were a lot of funds going around uh and i just think they were mis misappropriated misplaced uh, uh, mm. not used in the right way you read it reading it all and it, 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 you can't help it you're as, as an artist you look at who here they publish who get who gets the money you know oh, yeah they wouldn't so do that see, here. like they i applied for a few i i didn't I didn't get it, but obviously I don't have a Finnish surname. I understand they probably just want to give it to Finnish people. It's, it's fine, um, but uh, but but I read you know you read who gets it. And it's like these people aren't living or they're not living doing music. This there's nothing no. culturally important about what they're doing, but they're getting funding, and it's just like it just became a bit of a farce. Yeah. Um, and I just think how people relate to musicians and all of these things for a long time, it's been, it's been fucked. Um, and now it's even worse because, um, you know, it, people are like, why, why should we care about these guys? You know, they were lucky. They, they had fun on the road, you know, they yeah. should be, um, that's should that, be thankful. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's kind of the, some of the vibe I get from, well, some of the comments and vibe I get is just like, they're basically to be relevant. Now there are people are saying to me, well, you're going to have to be a content creator, but like a content creator with no, there's no ink, you know, there's no income to it attached to it. You have to sort of um, try and whip up second, third, fourth party um, sort of interest in it. I mean, this is something that I can enjoy talking to people and the podcast and stuff, but I'm not going to sit and play an acoustic guitar in the room, you know, doing uh, computer game covers and go, you know, but that's basically what people are saying in some of the bigger labels is like, hey, look, um, do, you, do you game? Because that's going to be your living now. You're going to be gaming on Twitch, like gaming on Twitch. I'm 45 years old. Um, you know, yeah. why didn't you, why didn't you ask me this when I was playing FIFA 98 or something, you know? 
I mean, you're known for you're known for a good conversation and for a, for an intelligent one, and I think that's something in the scene that you're you're known for, and it goes together with your music. So I can totally see this this format as really suiting you as as not yeah. being sort of relegated to just a just a quarantine thing or a, or yeah, yeah. a COVID nineteen thing. Yeah. It really worked for your for what you are are as an artist. But I mean. I'm not really, I don't think I'm a, a, an interview person. Uh, I think when it comes to my art, it, it speaks much more yeah. um, interesting, interestingly than, than I can come across. Uh, and, and it's always, I, I wear my music pretty much on my sleeve. It's, it's, it's there in the music, the message is there. So I, I don't really enjoy giving interviews that much. And um, I, I just really dislike it that when you're dealing with some record labels and people putting out your music that it's like they want you to do um certain things that just it just feels like total um prostitution misunderstanding of your brand of who you are yeah. you know they're like oh you should be more like mumford and sons you know with what you do or or you should you, you should do these shout outs you know like yeah. this is always a thing of like oh you're playing you're playing in hamburg why don't you make a video saying hamburg well, you know we're gonna come and fucking yeah. destroy you and stuff and it's like i that's not me that's not like that, that doesn't fit my music at all um and, no. and so, so now it now it and now it's like yeah, like you said, it's it's, it's like oh yeah, you should if if you want to make money with your music, then you you should you should really like put more stuff into your social media and everything. I'm like, where's the art in that? You know? Yeah, it's it's true, and it's 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 kind of like it's again, it comes back to this the balance between trying to do something. To me, this is not really you know, it's, it's creative on some level, but it's. It's, it's separate from making music or something like this. So I can make the distinction in my head, but I have friends in bands and they're like, they're doing exactly what you're talking about. Or they're going on these sites where people pay for them to shout out, Hey, happy birthday. And this kind of stuff. And I said to a friend of mine, who's in a death metal band who shall remain nameless. And he was complaining to me that nobody took his band seriously. And I was like, dude, you're, you know, you're doing birthday party shout outs. That's, um, yeah. I mean, you know, I love Max Cavalier, but but, uh, but but what he what he was doing um, just uh, and it, and it felt painful to see people think about somebody so great um, and and it's um, I, I know he's got to pay the bills and all so and I don't I don't sort of begrudge him that but it's just it just feels wrong it's like you know you're 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 Ozzy Osbourne you know to me and uh, you shouldn't be there online uh, doing shout outs for people. It's just, it's embarrassing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, ultimately, I suppose. No disrespect. <laughs> no, ultimately, I suppose that we should lay the blame for this probably at the, um, the door of the CEO of Spotify or something as opposed to particularly blaming Max Cavalera. Uh, but I, un I, I, I totally, I, I subscribe to the same opinion though. It's something very undignified about it, you know, um, and I, I do, I question myself with some of the same things. Like mm. I, I, I did like a, a, a YouTube, I have a YouTube channel and I put my podcast up there and I do the odd video, but sometimes I sit there and I go, okay, somebody said to me, Hey, can we have your top five vintage shirts? Now I'm a heavy metal nerd. I love talking about shirts. If you were sitting here, I go, fuck, have you seen this Bauhaus shirt from 84 or whatever? I'm, I, I mean, a few drinks and I'm, yeah. I'm bang into super nerd stuff, but I thought, so on that sense, it's not, I don't feel too compromised, but in the same sense, I mean, what, what am I really trying to do? Just move the dial of a couple of numbers and sort of, uh, I, I feel quite conflicted about it. I mean, I have a Patreon now and I, I, op I made it five years ago yeah. and then left it closed because I just felt 
awkward about it. And then this sort of just shoved it into the light as they're going, and it's actually not as, it's not bad. Actually, it's a, just a kind of, it's like a sort of a weird fan club. But then I thought to myself, this is, I sort of said to myself, well, you know, uh, poets in the 18th century had patrons. And I thought to myself, you pretentious cunt. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I don't know how to think about it, you know? I guess it's what you, whatever you do with it. I mean, if you if you're providing something that that's um, you know of value and excitement to your fans, the people who understand what you do, mm. um, then I think it's important. And and the people who don't understand what you do are always going to find something wrong with what you do. So that's that not true. important. It's it's more it's it's more like the sort of self value for me um, is about sort of what I would enjoy out of it. And I don't enjoy doing shout out videos, but I could, I, I can definitely understand the Patreon thing because you're directly interfacing with your fans. You're getting yeah. rid of the middleman, the management, the label, everything else. Um, so, so that's, that's a beautiful thing I think about the modern age is that you have this uh, possibility. I mean, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as, uh, as, as, as experienced as you in the scene, but I, um, I do know the days of tape trading and everything. And mm. I, I started there. And, uh, and so, so, um, it's, it's kind of an amazing thing that you've got this just very fast track, uh, basic, um, letter, uh, network where you're you're able to contact everyone without taking time to wait for the post and everything but That's it's the true. same 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 kind of system and i know that um i know what you mean about that like that it works for some people though like it feels like um for nurgle for example to mm. be very like present and open it really works for his brand and his image he carries it so well he can yeah. get away with it um, I would never try to be like that on social media because it, you know, it would just be a laughing stock. But, um, but that sort of just works into his brand of who he is as a person. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's forced. Like he's, he's genuinely enjoying uh, showing everybody what he's up to. But yeah, I, I mean, he's a I rock mean, star. That's, you yeah, know, he's, that's a rock, he's a rock star. I mean, he can get away with it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's there. But, but I like the mysticism of, uh, you know, like the old stories of, oh, I went to this guy's place from this band and, you know, we had this night where he showed me his old shirts and um, some of his collection. And, and, and those are things which are sort of coveted, you know, they're, they're these, um, they're, these uh, they're, they're important mysteries somehow. And I don't really want to, to, to like... Um, Make everything that, public. Yeah. I don't want to give it away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have a, a really... Um, nice summer house with some 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 sort of important pictures and things there and I could go there and show that and that would probably delight Hex Vessel fans that oh look at where we spend our time in the in the woods and everything but it's like it's it's my play you know it's uh he's yeah. a video director that I know and um he makes he makes great videos here in Finland for bigger bands like Battle Beast and stuff like that he has this amazing place in the countryside and I was like have you shown many videos here? And he, and he's, and he looked at me and he was like, no, this is my, you know, this is my home. I'm not going to like shoot a video here. I don't want yeah. people to see my magical home. It's like your, you know, that's your, that's your spiritual place. You don't really want to give that away. How much money does that, is that no, worth? It's a very your, good point. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel odd, even the concept of sitting in this space which is kind of you know the front bit of where i live and you're kind of like okay <laughs> hence why the backdrop is covering most of the back of it because so part of me is like i don't want people to just exactly see every part of where you live but then you're being asked i guess to externalize or make public um and that's the, the that's the sort of vulgarity of it in a sense you're being asked to try and somehow monetize things which should be uh, personal i suppose you know 
Yeah, and 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 then it's also like you said, it's like if if you're a rock star, I mean, you're more you're more there than I am. You're you're uh, very successful at what you do. So I guess there's a certain level of expectation also from the fan base that they they kind of want more from you. Um, and then it, I guess it's okay. Um, depending on what you feel is is right uh, yeah. to to kind of give them and and uh, what work what works as well you know it's uh, I think I think if I'm if I'm sitting there trying to too hard to show everything um, yeah. it just feels like um, a strip show you know it's just like you, 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 there's nothing there for people to enjoy if there's no art there you know. Well, you played the, um, you did a hex vessel stream though, and you were talking a bit about it afterwards. But how did you feel? doing that or how how did it how was the process um, we we really enjoyed it it was it was really bizarre but um we were out in the woods and we chose a, a bit of woodland next to where our favorite sauna is and it, it's it's at this lake and you you can sit there outside the sauna and you look over the lake and you see the whole of Tampa. It's a really beautiful place. It's kind of one of those places where you go there and you, you fall back in love with the city again and you know why you, you live there. And it's, it's just, it's really romantic uh, setting and you can swim in the lake and everything. And even in the, in the, in the winter, you can swim in there. So we, we chose this place. It's really pretty. And um, we went there and it's kind of isolated. You got, you got to drive there. So um, it's not right in the center. And uh, in, in the middle of nowhere, just, we're just about to start this, the live stream. And this massive band of Chinese tourists just like came into the woods with a stereo. And they wanted to sit down and like listen to the music right where we were. And we were like, well, you, no, you can't be here. Like we're going to play music and everything. And they were like, oh, sorry, we just arrived. We're like tourists. We were just looking around. And I was like, it's supposed to be a lockdown. Like, what are you doing yeah. here? Like, how did you get here? We thought all the flights from China are cancelled, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just really bizarre. And we were about to do this kind of like, you know, um, kind of meaningful folk music in a, in a beautiful setting. And, and actually we were, we were totally disturbed. It could have ended in disaster. It would have been hilarious to have them walking through the shop. But, um, <laughs> well, yeah, we, it's, we, of, course, of course, it's a live stream as well. Yeah. There's some, there's there's some sort of, you can do about it. There's some sort of deep <laughs> metaphor at work there, isn't there really? You're, you're, there, yeah, and, and and I mean, being Finland, you you cannot escape groups of young guys with bags of beer uh, stalking into the forest to 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 drink their beer. So there was a lot of that going on as well. And I was just like, as we're playing, I kind of could see these guys coming through the forest, and you can hear them a little bit further away, like crashing through the trees. And I'm like please don't come through it because you can see the meme, you know, like yeah, yeah. I can see it happening. Hex Vessel's forest stream is like um, ruined by these drunk guys. It's going to be on Blabbermouth or something just for people to laugh about. Yeah, that's... Uh, I don't know. Our, our band doesn't get on Blabbermouth, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And that's everybody's... Yeah, it, that's really... <laughs> people are searching for that meme moment all the time, you know. I mean, I've been very conscious of even when I've been doing the podcast. Um, really... I don't, I mean, I, I didn't do it to be about politics or anything like this. It's got the odd political part here and there, but you're very conscious about what you're saying. And I go back and listen before. I don't just go, bleh, and just post it out there. And then you go, is there anything here that could be taken out of context to make that meme, that, bleh, that moment, you know, that was probably just it that's, right there that I just that's, did. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I really hate it. And I don't think, um, I don't think humor has improved. You know, I'm going to sound like a really humorless person to say this. But mm. I really don't think the humor of the world has improved because of memes and, and that whole culture. But I really detest that, um, you know, everything's about 
trying to find some funny moment in in something serious you know and, and going back to primordial and what you you give i think it's um i think that it's it's really okay to be to be passionate and and to to yeah. have feelings about things and i and i uh, i mean especially with 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 doing hex vessel because beast milk and grave pleasures and stuff is there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek um yeah. but when it comes to hex vessel it's very um it's just really close to the heart music yeah um and so you yeah you get a lot of that people who just really want to take the piss out of it and um i just i think it's like it's very mean because it's uh it's low-hanging fruit you yeah, know sure it's uh it's, it's just it's the it's the basest form of humor uh yeah. is to just like take the piss out of people and you know that you're irish i'm english that's basically how we we live our lives is yeah, yeah. piss out of people yeah it's no you have a very you make a very good point and people will always um but often will say that to me you know and i will say that there is no place for humor in primordial that it's unrelentingly serious and it was always meant to be we're funny guys we have a great time and a lot of fun together make each other laugh but the music is is that's what it's meant to be and there just seem to be i agree with you this constant need and urge to find um yeah, I suppose it's the fundamental devaluing of art or the fact that modern society just doesn't really think you should be taking something seriously like that. You know, the kind of thing when you play the festival and there's, you know, a bunch of people who will go dressed now as like furry animals and this, that and the other. And somebody will want to take a picture with you and I'll just say, no, you can't. Um, or I won't do an interview with somebody with a, who does it in a silly voice. There's a, there's a myriad of things that I just will refuse to do. I think to myself, is that, this is just kind of, was it different in the 70s? I guess it was, but definitely there's an element of modern society, which is just, as you say, all about somehow de trying to deconstruct everything to just being a memory, I guess. Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, maybe it's it's just a it's a general lack of people feeling spiritual, um, for want of a better word, about about things. Um, I don't, in a way, I don't blame them because there's been so much sort of pressure on that for so long. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult thing when you when you talk about festivals as well, like festivals have felt like a joke for a really long time you know there's like uh, i get so pissed off going to watch a band at a big festival like hellfest and having like big balloons going across the crowd and like people just treating it like it's a joke you know and it's mm. like i can't watch this fucking band you know like this is mm. balloon going around it's like what do you what do you prefer you're gonna bounce the fucking balloon around or are you gonna watch the music you know yeah. or like in hellfest there was like Wetain had this great stage show people were watching the fucking the toilets because the toilets are spouting flames uh hellfest and people are watching these flames you know from the toilets i'm like if a festival is more interesting if the toilets are more interesting at the festival than the band what has happened to festivals you know yeah i mean and, and having said that without the festivals that will be one of the main arteries of modern rock and metal gone you know which we can see is that it's a, it's a it's a really strange situation i totally agree that I, it's sort of become part farce but an essential farce nonetheless you know and I've, i i can't complain we've had great gigs every summer but you know brilliant gigs at Hellfest but I do know what you mean you go around to watch a big band and you go okay this is like some sort of cartoon dystopia and I think I'll just go back I mean to it's a great place it's, it's a great place I don't mean to put it down it's just it's just like I think it's just more of kind of the mindset of that people want to be so entertained um and at the expense sometimes of of uh 
of watching good music that means something. Uh, I don't want to go and see Warning playing uh, Hellfest or something, you know, like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. There's some bands that I just, I just would steer clear of watching uh, in certain venues or certain arenas because it just doesn't, it doesn't work. It's, it's, it's a, yeah. Yeah, we were, that, we were going to talk about this before, I think you were saying that you, um, you got to do some uh, guest vocals on a few things and felt a little bit odd at some sort of pop music festival. What, you can explain that, what we were talking about. I think it was, it was the, the Carpenter Brute um, experience that I, I did a song with them and it was a really popular song on their last album, did really well. Um, it's a great track. I was really honoured to do it. Um, mm. so there's no, no complaints there. It was more like um, just getting up and doing, doing the song with them. I realised that um, how unimportant the, the, the personality of, of the singer was, you know, that um, a lot of people, most people didn't know who the fuck it was. Like there's this guy getting up to sing. What's this about? I didn't even think about it. We're just enjoying the, sh the show a lot. And I guess it's a testament to, to what they built that um, they don't need any personalities there. Um, everybody knows who Frank the main guy is but other than that it really doesn't matter um, mm. who's who's playing but that's kind of I guess what's changed about the whole um, what did uh, what did Marty Friedman describe uh, the, his idea of what Megadeth could have been it was like the four-man diamond it's like the four or five man diamond of a, of a rock band uh, it's uh, it's just just doesn't exist really anymore I think like people are, are fed up with that uh, personalities and they just want just want to have fun and so people were dancing to Carpenter Brute and I was on stage with them singing but I felt so surreal because and I felt kind of silly like I was like yeah. it should just be it should just be the playback now um, yeah. and, and not me standing here um, and you, know, you have to do the frontman thing. So you have to kind of try to engage with the crowd who just looking straight through you. And uh, they're reading my words on the screen. I wrote that, those words, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's not important. That's something to do with as a frontman. It's really like a kind of a shock because um, you're used to being the focus. You're used to trying to be the focus you sh should be. And, and, and actually I was just, you know, like the most uninteresting thing there. I was like, Okay, this this is hard, you know. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never I never really thought I, I'm not, I'm I've experienced it where I've guested with a few bands, but it's all been metal and rock stuff, and you kind of can you can still kind of take hold of the situation. But that whole new synth retro wave thing. I mean, I suppose what it is is I remember going to see years ago, maybe even years ago, you would have seen Sisters of Mercy, and it always struck me sometimes that a lot of the goths or people who would go. They went there to take drugs and dance to a point. They, they, they weren't really yeah. that interested. And the things that metalheads look for sometimes, like, like I can't even see the guitar player. Is he really playing? Or, you know, it's just only fog and stuff. And you realize, oh, this isn't yeah. that important to this audience, you know? Now, that's a very small, um, I can imagine that's a very small, uh, acute observation compared to something like Carpenter Brute. But yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. And was this just like a pop music festival or like what kind of festival? Uh, no, this was like, Infer I did it at Inferno and Hellfest. Um, and it was maybe Inferno is a bit bad just because it's a, you know, people in Finland know a bit more who I am. But mm. it was a similar, similar thing that um, 
uh, I, and I think you know I'm glad to do the the, the, the guest appearances with them, um, but but playing live isn't really an integral thing. I think it was more just for us, you know, for me and and the and the guys to do it, um, mm. which is fun. But it was just an experience to realise that for the fans, this is like a just a not interesting thing at all. I expected like you know some people to be like, oh, that was a great thing. The actual guy who sang on the song came, but it's like there's no. Um, you know nerdism at all when I was young it was all about like who played on what record and you know yeah, yeah. we had to learn it all because yeah. it wasn't online so we knew, we had to know the names of the guys you know we knew all the the names of the guys from Cannibal Corpse and Deicide and stuff because mm. you kind of had to and maybe that's just something that's gone now because you don't you, you know why would you have to you know why would you have to know about it? Um, and outside of the music, which is about technical playing, which is another thing altogether, maybe it just doesn't really matter. Um, and we struggled with it with, with Beast Milk as well, because um, I guess, you know, the, the music did, did so, so well. Uh, we were just trying to play catch up with the kind of playing live and, and the image wise that um, a lot of people were like, oh, this, is this the band? Okay, yeah. I really like the record, but they didn't marry the the guys and the stage show with uh, with what they were hearing in the music, and and I guess that's the sort of thing you have to you have to reach the point at which you're convincing, um, and and sort of Led Zeppelin or uh, bands like that didn't have a problem with that because it totally fit the image of the person on stage was was the music, you know, it's mm. like yeah, the fucking Robert Plant is is that look, you know, and 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 how they how they dressed and everything. So it's, um, I think, unless you got that really well thought out from the beginning, uh, we just weren't prepared for, for like having to kind of, yeah, catch up with, um, with what people were, 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 were thought the music was, you know, and I'm a bit like that. I, I think, like I said, I'm not comfortable with the interviews, not such a great front man or live singer. It's never really been my forte or, or so, I mean, I enjoy it. I enjoy, mm -hmm. I enjoy singing. Well, I think, I, you, undersell your, I think uh, you undersell yourself there. But um, <laughs> I, I think that the, maybe the thing with Beast Milk was because if you think about your equivalent in 1979 or 1980 or 1981, a band probably would have been out digging the clubs before making the record and honing who they were. I mean, if you eat most yeah. of the bands that we think of as iconic whether it's the fucking Ramones or the I don't know the Dead Boys or Richard Hell I don't know all that kind of I'm trying to I'm thinking about that sort of New York scene from the late 70s and all that kind of stuff um I, it took those bands a while to find their the classic look and mostly they weren't all being documented instantly for years now we look back and go fucking hell look at Talking Heads but the way they looked in 77 or something like yeah. this but yeah. with something like Beast Milk uh, because I guess that's just the way modern music is. You kind of, it was put together musically to be reminiscent, I think, of some of those bands, but the, the context was so different that when you kind of show up, yeah, people already have this idea that, oh, they're going to look, all, look, all look like Peter Murphy from 1981 or whatever. And so it's a bit yeah. hard to live up to that, that you're, oh, you're the ba your bass player's a, a, a dude with a beard and jeans and T-shirt or whatever's going yeah. on, you know? Yeah, I think, I think they didn't, I think, also they they may be yeah misunderstood kind of where we were coming from because we just didn't have long enough to present ourselves we went up on that whole um Fenrid's bands band of the week uh, ghost thing where everyone was looking for the new ghost you know it yeah, was yeah. like 
it really felt when Ghost came along that there was going to be a lot of bands like them. Mm. Um, and 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 to, to, to Tobias's credit, uh, he had it all planned out from the beginning. You know, yeah, he, yeah. Had, he had a whole, you know, series of of, yeah. of, of stages he was he was going to get to. Whereas we were. We uh, we were actively taking it easy. Like I I remember there was arguments with the guys. We were we were I wanted to take it slowly because I was like we should play like we should you know we should cut our teeth. We should really be a a live band before we get called on to play Roadburn. Yeah. And you know it was sort of like lo and behold we went from tape cassette to to Roadburn. You know it yeah, was yeah. like that that w- that was sort of unfair on us in a way. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, we we got sprung up so so quickly, and it and it sort of died as quickly as it as it materialised, and and so that's always in my mind that you you yeah it's it's not a it's sort of a natural thing. It has to it has to be a, a thing you work on and you you grow the live show and to be comfortable with what you do on stage. Mm. Um, but it's a yeah, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, and it's I suppose it's just symptomatic of the way modern society is in that respect that. Um, something could just move so quickly that as uh, in, in the old days, in the 70s or something, would have taken, you know, dozens and dozens, perhaps even hundreds of gigs to get right. And all of a sudden, when, you know, the Ramones get to land in London in 78 and fucking change the world, or 77 or whatever it was, that, uh, that iconic show where everybody apparently was at, they get there on, 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 like, on full steam already. And you go, how many fucking gigs has this band done? Probably yeah. 120 already, 100, 100 or more since 73 74 yeah whereas yeah. now a band will go oh, fuck we've got to play live who has a leather jacket i don't know you know <laughs> yeah i mean like how can you afford it sometimes like oh fuck I, I should i should have something cool to wear on stage but i can't, I can't afford a new jacket so yeah but I'll, also I'll... <laughs> but the economy no but the economy of it is different now because that idea i mean even if it, I've, i was listening to um i was just listening to rory Gallagher the other day and i was looking at the tour dates and i was kind of daydreaming going to myself god i wonder if that's what we'll have to do next year just play distance shows in ireland fucking hell and i was looking at his tour dates and there was a touring circuit for a person like him playing now you would yeah. there's nothing like that in ireland you couldn't yeah i mean you could probably do it but for us one gig every two three years then you're going oh that's that old hard rock way of doing things we have a variation of that now but the relentless touring is, 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 is not quite what it used to be. Well, though, then again, maybe, it, I mean, then I think of Rod and Christ and Vader and Marduk and bands like that and go, well, there's a different story there, you know? Well, I think, I think for you, you have a, you have a rich back catalogue of, of work that, um, you know, spans a long time. So you've got, a, you've got a, 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 you know, a few generations of fan bases there already. And, and, uh, and that's a lucky situation. I think for bands, I feel, I feel for bands that this year was going to be their year. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I, I know I, I can think of a few of those off the top of my head who, who this year should have been their year. And, um, and it's not going to happen. You know, no. um, and, it, and, it, and it's because of the virus, and I'm not sure if they get that chance again. Um, probably, that's probably a very not. sad. That's a very sad thing because mm. you know you, you know how it is. It's like you have that window of um, of opportunity, and um, you guys were you know signed with misanthropy and all of those things, and it's sort of like mm. it, it was a ladder, um, and it's it, this business is snakes and ladders. So it's like if if that hadn't happened, you never know how things would have rolled. So um, mm. I think about that for these bands. It's like like 
um, of course, persistence, everybody tells you, you know, persistence is everything and work hard and it will happen, but that's not everything. You know, there's a sort of a, a thing about the being in the, the here and the now, um, mm. that sort of, you know, you, you know, that, you know, of bands who make better records, um, out of their buzz period, but yeah. people just focus on the buzz album and that's it. You know, yeah. it's like, and that, and that movement, that moment passes. The yeah, that moment yeah. passes pretty quickly. It's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, I I was being a fucking cranky bitch the other day complaining about this and somebody was going, oh, but get to write the new Primordial album, blah, blah, blah. And I was there like, look, if the new Primordial album had been made last year and was, was going to be released this year, I wouldn't release it. And they were like, what do you mean? I said, I, would, I just wouldn't release it because all my life would be would be this. Zoom yeah. chats for two weeks and then, oh, okay, you just go back to the lockdown and back. You know what I mean? Like, there'd be, there's no agency, no purpose. There's actually, and it sounds really selfish, but there's just nothing in it for me uh, other than to see numbers move and read comments. And I just thought, yeah. that's not why I play music. I play music to go, right, we're going to go and fucking, there's release shows, there's, you, you, there's movement in the world, there's ripples in the pond or whatever you want to call it. And to make an yeah. album now this year and release it, if this promoter was coming out, I'd have, I think I'd have pushed it back a year and cancelled it because there just doesn't, you know, I was, I was having an argument with Addy from Solstice, it's a new Solstice album coming and I, I was complaining to him, forgetting that his album was coming out and he's like, oh, mine's coming out. I was like, fuck. <laughs> you know, I was just like, shit, sorry, man, you know. But I, I think I'd push it back because I, I, selfishly, there's just nothing in it for me. So if that yeah, sounds I like a dickhead move, I don't know. No, I totally understand. And I'm trying, I'm trying to sort of, I'm, I'm trying to, um, I think every, everybody's sort of situation when it comes to that is so subjective because, yeah, this is um, true. you know, it's, it's what fulfills you, uh, what drives you, uh, your, your agency, as you said. Um, I just, I, I think for me, I would like it if some bands, uh, would take this opportunity to kind of like go back to the rehearsal place and, and really understand what it means to be a band and, mm. and uh, make some records like they used to make back in the day. Um, it would be beautiful if they, if they suddenly decided like, Oh, we don't need to have the Hey, Hey, Hey mm. bit in the song because there's no live show. So maybe we can actually just work on making a good song, you know? And, yeah. um, and 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 uh, and this isn't this isn't relevant to, to to what you do at all, but it's it's just I, I I think that it could be a unique opportunity here for so many artists to just focus on making good music and and not to worry about you you do think about um, live shows when you make albums and the the more you play live the more you think about it and so I think that's sometimes been on certain albums that I've been doing has been a, a downfall of the record, you know, it's been like a thinking about what songs we have in the set um, and, and thinking, Oh, when we make this record, maybe we should add a couple of songs like this because that will change the set. Mm. Instead yeah. of thinking about uh, this, this would be just a great, a great record to make. And, and I've gone back to that now um, kind of coming full circle mm. of just making a record. And, and so the last text festival we did, I thought, I thought really just about that, just like, you know it became more whimsical um in the right way of just whatever creative impulses come in um that are good these are the ones that will make the record the ones that kind of want it to be there rather than thinking um okay we're gonna have a year of live shows maybe we should have a few faster numbers because yeah. you know it's damn boring playing all these slow songs yeah it, it, that's not really it shouldn't really come into it um mm, but it does 
That's interesting. I, I, I guess the difference maybe between Hex Vessel and Grave Pleasures or something is that, you know, one is sort of, uh, again, it's the rock and roll thing. One has got some sort of rock and roll, rock and roll elements um, to consider for the live setting. And I suppose when writing a Grave Pleasures album, you'd have to consider, you know, I know we're promoting, which is probably somewhere in between, it, you know, like it, it's still got that sort of um, gloom to it, but it's got some, a little bit of rock and roll as well, or whatever you want to say. Or I think to myself, oh, this, this could be a big chorus or whatever. But if something is completely removed from that, maybe that's more what Hex Vessel represents then. I don't know, you know. I mean, do you, you, yeah. you, could, you probably consider that when you're writing Grave Pleasure songs that, oh, this is, this is going to be a banger life or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, but yeah, you try to. I try to think about it being a banger, um, kind of in every sense. So so those records for me that that are that represent sort of the best of rock and roll and um, uh, like a classic album like Appetite for Destruction or mm. um, Queens of the Stone Age songs for songs for the deaf. That it's like just you know you, that you know it's going to be great live and also on the on the stereo and in the car and yeah. in, in in those different situations like. Uh, uh, with friends at a party or, or, or that, that kind of thing so on all levels yeah. Uh, yeah and that should be yeah the way of thinking maybe but but it's it's very difficult to take the live thing out of your mind um and it's it's you're in a rehearsal place when you're playing together you oh this will be great live you know yeah. and uh, someone's going to say it at some point that's going to work great live or maybe we should repeat that refrain so that so that gives gives crowds a chance to sing along with it uh, you mm. kind of know how it's going to be digested um if that comes out of the mix i don't know is it a good or a bad thing uh mm. you know gonna... because uh who, who knows really it's maybe maybe it's best not to think about this stuff really at all <laughs> maybe that's true uh, how many, and how many awful um death rock neo folk um uh, black country sort of like you know um so awful woven hand records are we going to get from metal musicians now in the next year oh my god yeah and i mean already like uh this guy well i'm um, yeah i'm not going to start going into the names but there's so many people who have like a billion side projects already and it's like um uh, i think then about the nick cave speech that like maybe they should read nick cave a bit more you know like take a break guys you know like step back a little bit more maybe the world doesn't need more uh, of of your of your music but it, it's very easy to say because yeah. uh, i indulge i indulge myself um and so everybody everybody should uh indulge themselves creatively on whatever it is they want to do you know they should but at the same time like i i was having again i was having this argument um, with a friend of mine who was saying, oh, this is a great time for the underground. And I was there going, well, you know, the underground was really, what was it really? Trading tapes and writing letters, but we all had aspirations to something else. And we all wanted to be in other countries and go on tour. And we yeah. saw the dates for tours in 92. If the underground, I, I'm now as being a dickhead, but if the underground is, was writing letters and trade tapes, then we're here, we're back in it now, which is just sending emails <laughs> and trading files. Yeah. There, you're back in the underground, yeah. good, good for you. Um, but... Yeah. At the same time, which of course it, it sucks, but at the same time, um, a lot of people said to me, "Oh, it's a good time to get creative." And I went, "Well, was this broken? Are we fixing?" You know what I mean? I, I was just being again and being an asshole, and I was just going like, "Well, we're we're fixing something that wasn't broken. Are we just going to get loads of more average records, which we don't need?" I don't know. Or that's some, that's a really middle-aged way of looking at it, isn't it? But, but I mean, I, I think about it in terms of the time that I have now is very limited. So I want to listen to um, 
classic records and stuff from my collection, which I know I'm going to really enjoy um, and is going to sound really, really great because I've got, you know, this window of an hour here. I'm going to sit and listen to, to some really good music. Mm. Um, I, I changed my listening habits based on, 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 the amount of time that I would have to put into it. So, so I just wonder how that will go for people with a lot more time, you know, now they, now they have a lot more time to digest music, to listen to it, enjoy it. If you were a music fan before you were indulging it on the side, you had a nine to five. Now maybe you have a lot more time at home to put on music, you know, in the office, that kind of thing. It could, it could change um, listening habits. And now we've got the tools to kind of open it up. Like I was always like blown away by the fact that all these young kids in Helsinki um, when we lived there were, were sort of so tuned on to all this, proto-punk and like mm. stuff that took you know years to to dig down the bottom to get and then you know you, you'd reach some old dude who would recommend you know like you put on your instagram sir lord baltimore you know yeah, yeah. stuff like that was just like um word of mouth treasures from someone you know you gotta yeah, check yeah. out high high tide that was like heavy way ahead of its time um and these kids knew it all and they had you know they had because they had access to it so it's like um they, you know it possibly could uh could result in a yeah in, in something positive it's a, that's an interesting point it's it's it wouldn't be the first time i've gone to somebody's to like i say a party it's actually this has specifically happened to me in finland where i went to a party like a pre going out to, to some gig party i was visiting and annoying some people and i was looking through the girls who own the apartment their records and I, it just struck me like every record here is fucking cool there's no benediction record. There's no Gorefest records. There's no like kind of C division death metal from '94. There's no missteps. There's no everything was cool. And then I said, I was slagging them, and I was yeah. like, I was like going, "Where's the first day aside? I see you have sadistic intent records. There's no day aside. And as you just they're just like, "Who? Who the fuck listens to day aside?" I was like, "Yeah, okay, you know, uh, or immolation. How? How? How is? Yeah. Then you realize oh, it's the aesthetic and the artwork, but I, it's really struck me that everything, it was like it was just curated by somebody who like, okay, here you go, Death SS, Blue Cheer. Um, oh, everything was perfect. And it, I thought that was really, like probably ties in with what you were saying. It was really funny and interesting that, um, yeah, you, there was no missteps, you know? At least no night. Yeah, I think, and I, it reminds me of the Red Burns Ender guys talking about going to England, playing with uh, Impaled Nazarene back oh, in Oh, I was the, there. Uh, uh, they, they, were you playing at that game? I uh, know. Uh, I actually was in the house where they were staying. I was. I went. House, I yeah. went to visit, and then um, Mazanthropy organised it part of Vibwin's Enders trip there. I just happened to be staying in the same place, so that's how we all hung okay. out. We got naked. <laughs> everything that, yeah i should have known that that you probably were there but they, they were just talking about that that like you know whereas in norway they had been building this sort of impeccable scene of 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 um appreciation of all the right bands mm. and they went to the uk and met the fans who who just had like sort of a totally different understanding of of uh, extreme metal and a lot of bands that they were just like, who listens to this? And, and we were kind of, they were really disappointed, but I think it's just, it's like back then you had one or two scene makers, uh, mm -hmm. taste makers, and um, it, it, you were just lucky if you had someone, I mean, you know, they had Euronymous and everybody else who was obviously spreading um, the, the good work. But um, I remember when I was, was a kid growing up in London, you really had no access, like there was no scene at yeah. all. So you really had to fight to get, 
hold of good records. And, you know, you'd get, a, we were talking about this with a friend the other day that you would get kind of like a mediocre record, but you would end up loving that record because yeah. you had to, you know, yeah. you had to well, listen to it. You'd spend 10 you quid nothing on it. else. Yeah. 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 I have to like this. I'm not going to take it back because, you know, that's, it's like, it's all they had at the shop, you know? Yeah. It, um, and, exactly. and so you end up liking a lot of stuff. And I have all these guilty pleasure records that I know that I could never play to my mates who are into metal because um, they, they were there for me through hard times, but they're embarrassing. You know, it's like, it's not good music. I don't, I don't look back on it and think, oh, that's, you know, great album. I just think it's, you know, it's terrible music, but I, I still value it personally. You know, these are like See, small is, sort of embarrassing treasures of my this own. Is where, <laughs> this, this is where you should be looking at making, being a content creator. You should be doing Matt five <laughs> embarrassing YouTube, <laughs> uh, five, five records. But yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I remember being in the record shop in Dublin in 91 and had a mental funeral in one hand and Blessed Are the Sick in the other and only having the money for one. And I'd saved up for like two weeks to have that eight ninety nine to buy one or the other. And you're going, and that, that was like the choice that month, just that month. Yeah. And they were, I'm sure there were, of course, there was probably Malevolent Creation and whatever else, but that was the choice that month. Then you made your choice. And now I open the Holix digital account and I just go, oh my God, there's like 450 or 475 new records in the last two weeks. And I just, you know, yeah. what can you do? You know, spend well, more like, time listening to like yeah. Goat Worshipper from Peru or something. I don't know, you know. I really like labels like uh, Oral Hypnox in the north of Finland. They, they do kind of, um, you know, you sign up and you get a letter um, in the post and, um, it's, it's all physical products, nothing, uh, on Spotify and everything. And it's, it's, That's it's the kind of music that works like that because it's, it's ritual music and it's, um, it's this, you know, a lot of ambient, uh, music, but I think it increases your appreciation of the music and makes you think of it as more, you know, magical music because it's, it's harder to obtain. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a sort of area where, bands could could find a niche um and could could excel is just like you know how how can you be different how can you make this more of a of a, an, an important experience instead of you know releasing 10 t-shirts and and putting all these video clips out there maybe yeah. think about making your music a little bit more um you know harder to obtain or or more more esoteric in a way you know like there's all these black metal bands out there they claim to be you know uh occult but yeah. they there's nothing occult about it it's just no. straight in your face you know it's a commercial enterprise yeah um and 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 it's shit you know it's just mm. rubbish music it hasn't evolved since the 90s it's not it's not interesting um mm. so it would be great if there was more of that kind of um yeah if we're going back to the tape trading days then why don't we just do it you know yeah i suppose the problem is, is that most people are considering um, elements of what you would just said and then figuring out, okay, so how can I externalize that? How can I make that into the Instagram post? Because everything is about trying to take the most personal things and reveal them to everyone. And so when you're talking about something which is just a letter writing enterprise, mm. again, um, even that, I suppose, would become co-opted by a certain element of kind of, you know, cool is the new, uncool is the new cool kind of thing. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I guess that there are just so many choppy seas to navigate and you have to make some concessions to one and then make a decision on, well, no, we don't do that other thing in the other case, you know? 
Yeah, I think I think uh, one um, industry businessman, uh, a very nice guy, said to me, high up in a big label, he said these days, uh, um, it you really what you have to do is make really, really good music, and that is it. You know, you you cannot any you cannot rely on 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 it on uh, these other uh, anything else really. You know, um, and so it's a brutal truth to to have to face is that um, the the gimmick alone isn't enough. You know, yeah. so that, like we go back to Ghost um, and uh, and and it, it, if you were stupid, you'd say. Um, oh, it's just all image, you know, it's just a fucking gimmick, but it isn't. I mean, yeah. he's, I don't listen to it, but he's a very, very clever songwriter, you know, and, he, yeah, yeah. and he's very clever at knowing kind of what works. So, no doubt, so no doubt. to his credit, he's really, he's really thought it all through. Um, yeah, yeah. And I admire that. Um, yeah. I admire that that with when, when, if you're going to put the, if you're going to bring the gimmick into what you do, there has to be, you have to make good music. Um, yeah. And, and, I'm much more for sort of like the early Metallica uh, kind of just a bunch of guys playing really, really uh, meaningful music. But it, it, it's it's um, it's one in a million, you know, uh, yeah. now it's, it's kind of been done. So you have to think everything through. But if you don't have good music, it's kind of like game over, basically. Yeah. Well, sir, it's been over an hour. It's usually what I do. And I think game over is a good two words to end on. It's time to end it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, this was great. Yeah, it's been a total pleasure. It should go yeah, up soon enough. And um, yeah, total pleasure to talk to you, sir. Um, let's hope it's not game over, but you know. Yeah, hope not. Hope I get to see you in Dublin or elsewhere sometime soon. We shall see. All right, sir. Cheers. Be Take good. Care. Thanking you. Bye-bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.